to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you love running or eating, you'll love this show. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Welcome back to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. This is Monica, and I started Run, Eat, Repeat over eight years ago to document training for my first full marathon and losing weight. Since then, I've lost 20 pounds, run 30 marathons, even more half marathons, and Runny Repeat has turned into a huge community online. Follow me at Runny Repeat on Instagram for all of the latest running and eating and randomness that I post, and check out today's show notes at runnyrepeat.com for a ton of information, and also I am posting a download because... I did not expect this to encompass all of the aspects of fueling for a race. This is part of the nutrition series that I started last episode talking about the best things to eat for training for a race, and that includes before, during, and after long runs and races. And I reached out to my friend, Steve. He has a ton of amazing information and wanted to talk to him about his strategy for fueling and hydrating during a race because it's something I've used for years. I met him back in, I think around 2013, and he taught me this 10, 30, 45 method that I've used for a long time. And I've kind of mentioned it in passing a long time ago, but I wanted to share it again and thought that he, since he kind of taught it to me and it's something I've been using, it should come from him. And we ended up talking about all aspects of fueling and best practices for getting ready for a half marathon or full marathon. So this episode has so much awesome information. I will put, like I said, a download available in the show notes so you can check that out and use this. As with anything, any advice that you get online, on a podcast, on TV, overheard at the grocery store, you need to apply it to you and do what is best for you. So these are all ideas and strategies and practices that apply to your own training and your own body and your own needs. And we kind of keep saying that in the episode because it's so true. I will ask him straight up like, oh, what do you do for this? And it's not that I am exactly going to copy it, but I'm going to kind of tweak it to figure out what works for me. So he has taught me the 10, 30, 45 method, and I've taken it and kind of use from it what I need to, to become a better, stronger, faster runner. And I think Steve might become a reoccurring character on this podcast because we could have talked about so many different things. There are so many things that he has taught me that I definitely want to share. If you have any follow-up questions, please leave them in the show notes or DM me on Instagram because even though this episode encompasses so much of what to eat for races and training, I am going to come back next week and share some more information I chime in a little bit in this episode on kind of what I do, but I do want to share my methods for the race day morning, long run mornings, and um, fueling and refueling after a race or run. There are a ton of information in the show notes and links to some of the products that we mentioned that we really love. And also, if you are in Southern California, Steve leads this group of runners, these soul runners, and they are actually just wrapping up training for the LA Marathon, which is this weekend. Super exciting and awesome. So he'll be out there if you're running LA and happen to see him or see the Soul Runners booth. They are at mile 18 and they're always there for the Soul Runners. But he said 
if you see around mile 18, the Soul Runners booth, stop by, tell them Steve or Renny Repeat sent you, and they will definitely give you some fuel and hydration if there's anything you need. But if you are new to racing or want to join a group, Steve leads the Soul Runners group. And next up, they are going to be training for the Long Beach Half Marathon and Marathon. And that is starting in May. So I will put information on how to connect with Steve or the Soul Runners to get some more information on that. Before I get into the interview, I want to tell you about Steve because he has such an impressive resume and so much experience working with athletes of all levels, from first-time half marathoners to seasoned vets who want to PR or qualify for the Boston Marathon. He has coached them all. We met in 2013 on a project with the New York City Marathon, and I was fairly new to at least the full marathon distance, pretty green with that, and just learned a ton from him. And luckily, because his running group is in SoCal and fairly close, I have been able to run training runs and races with him and the Soul Runners, and they have always been super awesome and welcoming. So like I said, I will put a link in the show notes to the group if you're in the area. And more than anything, I just appreciate that I feel like his advice is very tried and true and realistic and relatable. It's just like very specific and no nonsense and helpful. And he just has so much knowledge and experience. He's a Chi running master instructor, NASM personal trainer. He has a certificate with Precision Nutrition. He's an RRCA marathon coach and certified indoor cycling instructor and more. I could really go on and on. Um, and I kind of want to because I'm a fan, but I also want to talk about running and eating at the same time, which is kind of the topic of today. Like I said, there's a ton of info that we are just kind of chatting about. So there will be a download available at runningrepeat.com. So you don't have to stop, drop, and take notes. And hopefully it's helpful. Let's get to it and talk to Steve. Well, I'm very excited to talk to you. I want to talk to you about a hundred different things, but today we're going to try to stay on the topic of fueling. But before we get into that, I know you are the coach of the Soul Runners and you were doing that a long time before I met you. So how long have you been coaching the Soul Runners and what do they have going on right now? Um, I started coaching actually a group called the Beach Runners. We were the official training program for the Long Beach Marathon in 2005 and then we morphed into the Soul Runners. So I've been a full-time marathon and half marathon coach since 2005, 13 years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And are you guys training for Long Beach or what's on the agenda this year? We train for Long Beach every year, but we also train for Catalina, which was this past Saturday and Los Angeles Marathon, which is this Sunday. Those are our primary, but I take groups all over the world. I think next year we're talking about going to Edinburgh and running the Edinburgh Marathon. I might run Athens, Greece with the group. A lot of people will train for Chicago or, you know, Big Sur. There's so many marathons out there. I train people for probably every marathon out there, New York City, Marine Corps, you name it. And you guys did New Zealand oh, a few years ago too, right? Yeah, loved. Uh, we ran the Auckland Marathon. It was a beautiful, beautiful city, but honestly, just go to New Zealand. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> what is your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Yes, I do. I have to say I rank them in two different ways. My absolute best time doing a marathon that I just thought that it was the neatest marathon in the world is Athens. And I did the, did the 25th hundred anniversary in 2010. So that was super special. And you run into the Olympic stadium with the torch going and the 
it was just there was probably twenty thousand people in the oh my you know, in the stadium cheering you on and you know you know Olympians were on that so that was truly amazing but you know running the New York City Marathon and that's where I met you I it's hard to beat that if you're going to do a marathon in your life you know the people lining the streets there's just I don't think that there's a better supported marathon than New York City and so I just have to say just being out there the energy of New York City is just fantastic put it on your bucket list if you if you want to do something really special go to Athens but New York City is just a must do marathon yeah. I agree. I think people don't realize how rare it is to have that much crowd support for the entire race. Like there is nothing like it. It is awesome. Nothing. Uh, you know, actually Berlin has pretty, pretty good crowd support, but still it's pales in comparison to New York city. Uh, Marine Corps has pretty good crowd support pales in comparison to New York city. I mean, New York city, the crowd support is just, you know, off the charts for sure. And have you done Chicago? No, because it's always the same day as Long Beach yeah. for the last 13 years. <laughs> people for Long Beach, so I got to be out there. And I want to do all the majors. So at one point, I'm going to have to do Chicago. Yeah, I, Chicago's on my list for sure, because I've done New York. And um, we did Marine Corps, too, together. And But Chicago is like the one that I want to kind of compare it to. So that's on my list. One day. One day. Did you? Are you training for anything right now? I know you're coaching for the LA marathon, but it's hard to actually kind of like run a hard race when you're coaching it. Are you training for anything yourself? Yeah. Good question. I'm training right now for Mount Charleston Revel, and believe it or not, because I'm also a triathlon coach running of the three sports, swimming, biking, and running is my weakest. And I'm not really weak at it, but I'm not, you know, it's just not my strongest. So I'm my fastest time is a 347. So I can relate to the average runner. You know, I started out my first run, my first marathon ever was a 459. I've run five and six hour races. And, you know, my fastest is a 347. I need a 340 to qualify for Boston. And I really need a 335 to give me that five minute buffer. I, I don't know. I hurt myself a little. I hurt my back and I don't think it had anything to do with running, but it was messing me up. So I'm a little behind my training schedule. I just did Catalina last weekend. So I, I know I'm a little behind the eight ball in my long miles, but I had a great, I had a great half with you, a 143, which is, you know, it was going to set me up perfect. So we'll see. I've got Oceanside half Ironman coming up in a couple of weeks and then I'm going to go to Mount Charleston and hopefully qualify for Boston. For sure. Good luck. I feel like it's just just have a good day. You know, like I think sometimes it's just the stars have to align and you have to just be in it. That is very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> just have a good day. But you also have to, you have to do everything, have a good day. And you need to kind of do, if you're like me, where I'm borderline, you know, let's say I have a 50, 50 chance. I think honestly, that's my, my odds. And so I have to not only have a good day, but I have to have the table set perfectly. And I think that's a, you know, great transition to start talking about nutrition because if I bonk out on that course, I don't even have a chance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so um, when we were running together, I was really practicing, you know, and that's why I was telling you, okay, let's have a gel now. Let's do this now um, because I have to practice. You can't just go out there on race day and think like you can pull the nutrition thing together. You got to practice and all, anytime you're, especially if you're doing a long, a long run, you got to 
practice your nutrition, even if it's a slow, let's say if you're doing a long, slow distance day. I mean, every long, slow distance day is a practice, is a day to practice your nutrition. What works for you? What doesn't, you know, what, maybe you need to try a bunch of products. There's so many products out there and they have so many different ingredients in them and some might work better for you, which might not work as well for me. And it's finding what works well for you. And I will tell you, here's a great example. Gatorade does not work well for me. And so I just need to stay away from it. I, yeah, I totally agree because you can get information from what other people are doing and ask other people, but I have not met someone that fuels exactly like I do or someone that I can like copy their fueling exactly. Like you have to figure it out for yourself. And that was one of the big things that I think I learned from you originally was you have this very specific thought out method to fueling during a race, which I super love and want to talk about. But even before that, is there a method to getting ready, card loading the days leading up to a marathon for you? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we have Los Angeles this Sunday and my group is doing a carbo load party tonight. We carbo load usually, you know, four three, four, and five days before. If you wait till the night before, I mean, how much of that food is actually going to be processed to get through and actually store in your, especially muscles. So what happens is when you eat, your carbohydrates are converted into glycogen, go into the bloodstream, and then your insulin kind of takes it through the bloodstream and it starts going into the muscles and it starts, you know, depositing it into the muscles. And the muscles take this glycogen, and this glucose and convert it to glycogen. And it stores in chains in the muscles. And so what we want to do is we want those chains to be as long as possible. It's like filling up a gas tank. You know, especially if you've been doing a lot of long runs, the problem is, or you're lifting weights or something like that, all of a sudden you've used these glycogen stores, or they might be not all the way full. And if you think like the night before a race, you're going to be able to, you know, you're going to be able to go in and top it all off. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, true carbo loading actually people go in and they do they do glycogen depletion so they they do super super low carbohydrates for a couple of weeks before and at that point the muscles become super open to just taking in as much as they can and you just have to think it's like a gas tank you want to fill all these up and then there's some that's stored in the liver and there's some that continues to float around the bloodstream and you know the average person you know can store around 2000 calories and so then Really, fueling becomes a math question. How how many calories are you going to burn per hour? How many hour, hours do you plan on being out there? And how much of that fuel that you're burning is going to actually be glycogen, which is carbohydrates? And so how does someone kind of figure that out? Like, at what point do they need to start carbo-loading? Is this something that you just save for race day or something you do for long runs as well? You know, everything that you can practice, you can get better at. So, but really you would need to, I'm actually a precision nutrition certified coach and it's a sports performance nutrition coaching certification. So, and I help people lose weight as well. The big thing right now, I mean, you hear ketogenic diets and stuff like that. Maybe one day we go talk about things like that, but there's very low carbs. So we can carb cycle. We can go some days low, some days we'll do more carbs. And since most people aren't, you know, that advanced, the best thing is, is usually three, you know, three, four, five days before up your percentage of carbohydrates. So I, my athletes I have right now taking in somewhere from minimum 50% to 75%. And I try to get them up that 70% ratio per, you know, per day of carbohydrates. That's the majority of their, of the food. 
where are they going to get it? Well, I love them to have salads. I love them to have vegetables. Vegetables are your healthiest way to eat carbs. But at the same time, you know, you, you can't eat that. Sometimes it's hard to eat that many carbs, just vegetables. So, I mean, go ahead. This is a perfect time to eat some pasta and to eat your starches, maybe eat some potatoes, eat some rice, eat some noodles, you know, eat those things that maybe during the rest of the time you're not eating as much if you're trying to, let's say, manage your weight or something like that or not go too carb heavy. And eat your breads, you know, eat your grains, things like that. And then you stop really about, you stop Friday, which is two days before, and you just kind of eat your normal what you normally eat Saturday and you fly low. And then that Saturday meal, it's funny. I mean, you probably heard me talk about my lucky pork chop and I think it's turned into <laughs> lucky lasagna, <laughs> but I, I want to eat something solid. I don't eat a ton of fiber the night before the race because I don't want it to go through me more than right before the race. <laughs> we call it the PRP, the pre-race poo, uh, <laughs> something you have to talk about. If you, if you're a serious racer, you got to yeah. talk about it because if you've got to stop you know, the more you've got to stop, those are minutes you've got to make up in that race. And so you want to be, you want to be empty going into that race in your gut. So I don't eat a ton of fiber the night before I try to, you know, get that out maybe even the, the day before. So I'll go less. I eat some meat, kind of hopefully clog the pipes, so to speak, you know, and hopefully have a good race at that point. But I'm eating way more normal. You know, I go down to normal calories. I up my calories during that five, four, three days before the race. And and like I said, most of those calories are carbs. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you that as well. I know that you're upping the percentage of carbs you're eating, but you're also upping then potentially eating a, some more calories than normal. And those are in the form of carbs. Usually. Yeah. And you know, don't have to worry. Yeah. A person like me, I can go to 4,000 calories and it's not a big deal. It depends on how, remember, it depends on your metabolism. It depends on how tall you are here on 511. I hover right around 165. And so I know my body really well at this point. You know, I usually eat about 25 to 2,700 calories a day. And my macros, if people are really into this, I do about 30 to 35% carbs and I do about 20 to 25% protein. And then the rest is fat, 40 to 45%, you know, fat. And hopefully those are healthy fats and divided between saturated mono and saturated polyunsaturated fats. So that's my normal diet, but when I get to these races, I carve up. Perfect. I'm glad that you gave a reference. Day. Yeah, for the like what your normal is compared to the percentage when you're kind of upping those carbs. Do you do anything different in terms of hydration in the days before? Yes, I do. That's a great question. I, you know, so we we don't want to drink too much water. The big, the important thing is is that we're keeping our electrolytes up. And what happens to a lot of people is they just like start chugging the water or they're chugging the great, the Gatorade and stuff like that. And Gatorade's just loaded with sugar. So I, I've found a couple products, of course, like Endura lights or salt sticks. Those are really good. So I'll actually, you know, start taking some of the capsules before. So I'll take the, you know, salt, some salt capsules or take some Endura lights. I found an interesting product. It's a pediatric uh, electrolyte replacement called drip drop. It's got, I think five grams of sugar in it, but I've had really good luck with that. Um, branch chain amino acids, even though that they're not electrolytes, I, I take some of those and they keep those with me on race day. So I'm actually taking my electrolytes with me two, three days before. So, I'll, you know, 
I don't take electrolytes. I don't take like my endurolytes every day, like when I wake up like a vitamin, but I do before a race. So I, I know I'm going in topped up with electrolytes as well. And I drink a little above normal, but I'd say I probably drink, you know, eight, eight ounces. I probably drink about 64 ounces of water a day anyways. So you, I mean, normally are prioritizing hydration already, which is important for sure. It's important for everything. I mean, it's important, number one, just for your cells to work better. I mean, cells work because of water, sodium, and potassium. And then also, let's say, you know, since here I'm a nutrition coach and I'm helping people most times lose a little weight, you want to drink that water. I mean, the water is going to help you lose weight in the long run. So if someone isn't into a lucky pork chop or lucky lasagna, is there anything specific you suggest they eat the day before a race? You need to know your gut and your stomach and how it functions. But like I said, the idea is kind of is really almost to clog the pipes a little bit. So I'm not eating a big meal. I'm eating just a, a regular dinner. I mean, I have a little salad with it and I usually have a little pasta and I, you know, that's why the lasagna works. And then I'd have my meat. So, and you know, I usually try to have that by, by seven at the latest. But so if you notice, it's not, you know, I don't go out for that big carb meal and, you know, carbs make you tired and all that. Usually I get a little nervous before a race and I, I'm not the person who can go to sleep at eight o'clock at night. I'm up till 11 or 12, sometimes laying out all my stuff, being nervous before the race. You know, I eat just a pretty normal, like kind of American meal. Some meat, potatoes and a little salad. Done and done. Yes. And I totally agree. You have to know, like, all of these things you have to practice in training because you should never try anything new on race day or really leading up to it. So make sure that your body is happy with your pre-race meal beforehand. What great advice do you eat before the race in the morning or what do you uh, recommend? We that for a whole, we're going we're, we're to probably save this for a whole nother show because I'm really working on metabolic flexibility and trying to cha- teach my body to burn more fat. But there's a, there's heart rate and there's a lot of things that come into this to develop yourself and to become more fat adapted, at, you know, so you're burning more fat. And that's my goal right now is to burn more fat. So lately, I mean, if you've ever heard of Bulletproof Coffee, I'm doing kind of my own version of Bulletproof Coffee. I don't buy their coffee. It's too expensive <laughs> for me. But um, and I don't I don't put the butter in, but I am taking the MCT oils and the medium chain triglycerides. And so uh, everything I'm eating in the morning is basically fat. I try to eat no carbs until I get right to the start line. Now, you know, the traditional thing has been have a bagel and some cream cheese or your apple and some nut butter or something like that, you know, three hours before the race or my old standard was oatmeal before a race. And, but I would use like Quaker oats, maple sugar, you know, oatmeal with a ton of sugar in it. The problem is that with the sugar is this sugar once again goes out and creates an insulin spike. And so there, you have a chance of kind of crashing a little bit before the race. And if you start loading up on Gatorade before the race, you know, that's a ton of sugar in it too, or at least if you take a, uh, like an Endurolite, which is made by Hammer Nutrition, and I just, I'm not sponsored by them or anything. I just like the product, you know, at least you're not getting an insulin response. And so I'm trying to keep my insulin response as low as possible. And then um, I keeps my blood sugar fairly, you know, keeps my blood sugar levels really consistent. And then when I start the race, right, as I start the race, like when you and I ran the Surf City Half Marathon, I took a honey stinger waffle. And so, you know, it's not going to hit my bloodstream right away. As soon as I start working it out, especially you and I were running like eight, seven fifties at that point, 
you know, that blood sugar is being used right away. So my blood sugar is going down. And then right about then, all of a sudden, the waffle kicks in. And then I need to stay on a consistent eating program the rest of the race. You know, I don't want to have big spikes and dips if I can possibly, you know, do it. So I have what I call the 10, 30, 45 rule that I, you know, trying always to get you on with me. And every 10 minutes, and this works out great for somebody who typically runs like a 10, 11, 12 minute mile, is that you, even eights that you drink every mile, right? Every 10 minutes you want to drink. So whether you, you have, you know, whatever their electrolyte replacement drink is, and it usually has some sugar in it, which is fine because you're going to burn that anyways which is some calories so or water. It depends on what you're carrying with you, if you carry anything with you. And then every 30 minutes, so I, in a little baggie, I put some of these either salt tabs or Endurolites or whatever your electrolyte you know, product of choice is. And I take those about, I take one to two, depending on how hot it is, every 30 minutes. And then every 45 minutes, I try to get 200 calories in. I would say for most people, and I know you have a lot of uh, women listeners that you're going, well, how many calories do I need? I'd say at least 100 to 150 an hour or every 45 minutes. So it's at an hour and a half, you're taking another 100 to 150. And if you think about a gel, most gels are right around 100 calories. I just don't like eating gels the whole race. So doing a marathon, I prefer to chew. It actually slows things down a little as far as the sugar getting right and glucose getting right in the bloodstream. And I save the gels for the second half of my races when I know I'm going to need it. And I actually up it sometimes even earlier than every 45 you know, minutes. Sometimes I have to go 30 towards the end of the race. When I get to 17, I might go every two miles and take a gel. Uh, you know, now that I'm go now that I'm going, I'm going to just keep it going. I don't want to, you know, have anything go down for sure. And that, I mean, I feel like that is such a big thing with knowing your body because being able to assess that is so important. And I think sometimes, especially with the full marathon, it is kind of about problem solving when your body is like telling you something and you're just trying to assess, like, what do you need in order to keep going and keep going quickly? So definitely things to practice. So it is, you said 10, you drink. 10, yep, 30. At 30 minutes, you take a, it's an electrolyte pill or a capsule or a tablet, whatever you do. And every 45 minutes you eat. And remember, you were running with me and you said, hey, why is your watch going off at 30 minutes? And I'm like, that's remind me to take an electrolyte. Uh, so I actually set a timer on my watch to go off every 30 minutes. The 10 minutes is fairly easy because most races that we do, especially road races, have a aid station around every mile. So it's pretty easy. Just think, you know, drink every aid station. You know, that's a pretty good rule of thumb. And then after 30, pretty 45, I just go, okay, now I know I've got, you know, two more miles and I'm going to eat. And is this the same um, process that you use either for a half marathon or a full marathon? Is there any difference in the two? No. And, you know, here's the, here's the, the kicker and people that are doing LA, here's a quick little thing for you. If you're doing LA, if you're doing LA, um, it's going to be cold in the morning, right? It's not going to, I think it's only get, supposed to get up to 65 at the high in the day. And I think it's, you know, 51 or 52. It's a low. So you're going to go out and that course starts out and it's, you know, once you get out of Dodger stadium, it's downhill for almost three miles and you're feeling great. You're just, you know, you're kind of locked in the crowd, but you feel great and you don't drink and you don't eat because you're like, well, I'm not sweating. It's cool. I'm not going that fast yet. And, you know, and so all of a sudden you're already putting yourself behind the eight ball. Once you get down in hydration, 
you can't ever, it's really hard to get back up. So you want to start right away. And I start right, you know, I go with the electrolyte the electrolytes right away at 30 minutes and do not skip the food either because that food, it doesn't kick in right away. It's going to take a little while for that food to to process and get through the gut and into your bloodstream. So uh, all of a sudden you're sitting there at 15, 16 going, oh man, I feel like I need some energy. If you've been eating the whole time, you're going to go, cool. I feel pretty good. And you can keep going at that time. But think about me and you, when we were running uh, surf city, you know, we only had like, I think four miles to go. And I'm like, Hey, we need to take a gel now because I knew those last two, we wanted, I wanted for those last two miles and we did not slow down. And I think part of it was because, of you know, we fueled properly at that point. And at the same time, that was the fastest half marathon I've run in 10 years. Oh, awesome. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not a spring chicken. So it's not like I go out and bust, you know, 143s every day. So I, it took mental and it knowing that I was, you know, I had fuel in the tank to run that speed. For sure. Oh my gosh. That's really funny because I just think I would not have run that fast if not for you. Like I was just, I was really surprised by myself. And I think both of us were just like, well, if they can keep going, I can keep going. Yeah, you dragged me along. It was, it was not at all. It. Not at all. You were going so fast up the hill like you because you were so good. And these are all things that we definitely I want to talk to you about because I feel like the posture and the chi running and just your kind of tips as we were going up the hill that I was dying. And that actually like ended up speeding us up. You reminding me to kind of lean up into the hill and stuff. It just all those things really make a big difference. Yeah, chi running is huge. I mean, and the whole, the funny thing is here we're talking about food, but chi running is really about efficiency. And so the more efficient we, we are, the less sugar in our body, less carbohydrate, the less glycogen, less glucose that we burn while we're out there. And so our stores stay higher. So we, if you're going to bonk, you're going to bonk later in the race. The goal is not to bonk, you know, and that's the fueling question that if we can figure it out, man, you know, we, you and I will make a million dollars because it's hard. It's hard to know your body that well. And then the, the temperature of the day depends a lot. Yes. The humidity of the day depends a lot. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I think I'm glad that you mentioned bonking because I think that figuring out my fueling changed the game of running for me completely. And it's one of those things that we're kind of trained, you know, I'm not really hungry. I don't really need it. And other times we kind of assess if what our body is telling us, and this is not a situation where you want to wait and you can avoid hitting the wall if you are very smart and diligent about how you are fueling during the race, it's so, so important. And so I love that you do the set the watch thing so that you're not having to worry about it and, or you forget and you're at a a certain mile and you feel like you're crashing and burning. So that's really, really smart. I like that you do that. Well, and I mean, you've been out with my group running a couple times and my group isn't a fast group. I'd say I have, you know, probably the most beginner friendly, marathon and half training marathon program out there where most of the people I coach are beginners and intermediates. I only have a few fast people and, you know, I kind of tell them what to do and they're more on their own. So I can be with the majority of our runners. And, you know, if you can train, if you can train right from the beginning to eat, because eating is not that easy with, you got to think when you're bouncing up and down, that stuff's bouncing up and down in your stomach. And then there's the potential GI distress there's all sorts of things that can happen out there. So if you're not practicing, when you get out there, you know, and oh, now all of a sudden I got to go jump on, you know, eating all this, you just don't know how you're going to react. So the best is in your long runs to start, you know, 
trying products, pick the products that you want to try and then see how they work for you and go back and remember what you ate the night before and what you ate the night before that. When you have a great training run, quickly look at your whole week and say, what did I do that made this great? Now, maybe it was just something, but typically it's going to be because your stress levels were lower because you slept well, because you ate well, because your tank was fueled. I mean, great training runs and great race day runs don't happen by chance. They happen because you did everything right, whether you know it or not. You know, I mean, you're a coach, you, you know how to set up your race. You've done so many races, Monica, that you know what you're doing, but let's say you're a new person and you, let's say you've done two marathons in your life, in a few more halves, and you don't really know yourself that well. You're still learning, you know, what can you run? What pace can you run? How can you do that? And if you're a total first timer, you know, the first thing is, is just finish, get your personal record. You know, all you have to do is finish to get your personal record. And then you start assessing how to go. Where did you find it hard? Did you all of a sudden, like at 15, like mentally fatigue and go, oh my God, this, why did I sign up for this? And you'll understand that's part of the race. (laughs) Everyone says that. Yeah. So, you, you know, there's, there's the whole mental issue that, you know, we can always go into a talk about, you know, we could be here all day talking about marathon stuff, but, um, you know, coming back, everything's a learning experience. So so you have to look at what got you to your best training runs, what got you to your best marathons. And you have to go back and look at what you did the week before, two weeks before that led up to that great performance. I totally agree. I love that. And I, you and I, I don't have a lucky pork chop or lucky lasagna. I'm very big on soy sauce and rice, like salty carbs are my big thing. Uh-huh. Do you have the specific gel, like flavor or chews or flavor of the waffle that you use just that you kind of, this is your go-to tried and true? Yeah. I mean, ever since somebody turned me on to the cinnamon honey stinger waffles <laughs> and I, I can fold them in half. So, you know, if I want, I can eat, you know, half at a time and then go five minutes and then eat the other half. And I used it a lot. Actually, I shared mine with a, a person I had just met who didn't have any food out of Catalina. Oh, so, um, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I love the waffles. They're my absolute favorites. I mean, I was doing cliff blocks forever and I like cliff blocks. I have leftovers. I don't have seen them in a while, but Island Boost gels because they're a coconut water base. I have a bunch left over because I bought a bunch. And so I'm not out, but I'm going to run out soon. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. The only bummer with those, those run around only 80 calories. So I have to take, and maybe that's why I do one every two miles because they're less calories, you know, but if it comes to it, it doesn't matter if it's goo, cliff, you know, whatever gel I'll go find, you know, I can, at that point, you're just kind of muscling them down anyways, right? It's oh, for not sure. Like, hey, yeah. is, I'm not pulling out the knife and fork and salt. <laughs> hey, I'm going to have a nice meal here. Yeah, for sure. I use the margarita shot blocks because I that's how I get in some extra sodium. I'm very, that's, oh, a, I thought that's how you get in an extra margarita. Well, I mean, that's for after. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do that for the beginning. And then I have a mocha gel towards the end. I kind of do what you're saying too. So I use the gels at the end. So I'll bring Margaret shot blocks and then gels. And yeah, it's not like this gourmet meal that you're really looking forward to. However, I do really look forward to the mocha gel because it, when you are like depleted and running, I, I feel like it tastes amazing. And I always wonder if I ate it outside of like mile 
17 of a marathon if I would be like, this is disgusting. But during a run, I kind of like it. I, you know, I go, I go for fruit flavors, but that's just me. You know, I like a strawberry or yeah, I just like the fruitier flavors than more than chocolate. Oh, for sure. So, I don't know anyone like, else that, that likes the one I like. And that's why it's like, you have to kind of taste them and try them because I rec- like, this is my favorite thing, but no, I don't know anyone else that is like, oh yeah, I use that one too. And I'm like, it's my thing. I don't know. Well, enough people like them that they're making every, every company makes a chocolate. Right. A chocolate flavor. It has caffeine yeah. in it. Do you use anything that has caffeine specifically or? Here's kind of the caffeine rule. And that's why I've moved away from caffeine before my race is really once you get on caffeine, you kind of, for best performance, you need to stay with it the entire rest of the time. And this is kind of an Ironman rule and being a, you know, a triathlon coach as well is if I'm going to go to caffeine, I know I've got to stay on it. I try to stay away from caffeine as long as I can. In fact, Um, When I say bulletproof coffee, I'm actually doing a peppermint tea with my MCT oil. So I'm not having any coffee in the morning. I'm actually having a tea with it, with no caffeine. So it's a great question to ask, but you know, you, a lot of people need that wake up caffeine. I understand caffeine really helps for a bunch of different reasons and it is performance enhancing. So, um, I just, I've been trying to stay away. It's just a personal thing. But remember, once you get on it, it's probably good to have gels with caffeine on it. See? And I, I didn't mean, even... to just stay on it. Boom. And that's what I do. I will drink enough caffeine for the both of us because I love it. And then the last question that we should just go over, which should be is, so when you finish the marathon, what should you do? You know, recovery is huge. I want to feel good, you know, the rest of the day. Yes. You know, as much as I love my first stop to be the beer tent, I don't make it the beer tent. And I, it's funny because I've been really moving on this, especially as I was going through all my nutritional coaching and trying to lower my sh- daily sugar intake. And I love chocolate. I became a chocolate milk. You know, I should have been on their chocolate milk recovery team because I would do it after every workout. I even had some of my students in my spin class would bring me this Belgian chocolate milk that I'd teach a really hard class and drink afterwards. And I'm like, cool, I'm getting all my, you know, replenishing my carbs and my muscles are going to take all these and use all this sugar. And I looked on the back and I'm like, oh my God, this thing was 45 grams of sugar. And I'm drinking the whole bottle. I mean, the bottle, I think, was like one and a half servings. I'm like, I don't know how much sugar am I drinking here? So I really got off the chocolate milk, you know, so I was, I'd try to go with some fruits and stuff like that after, after I would, um, after I would train. But when I finish a marathon or half marathon and I go really hard, I go to chocolate milk. It's funny. So I don't use it during my training recoveries unless it's a really long, hard run. I mean, really long and really hard. So like my little, you know, one hour workouts, my six or eight mile daily workout, I don't do the chocolate milk because the truth is you're not blowing through the carb stores that much. But when I do like a super hard two hour or a four or five hour marathon, something like that, I will have a Catalina after I did a four thirty three and that was good enough for fourth place in my age group. Awesome. Um, that's That's how hard that course is. Well, you know, you've run it once. And, it is. The, um, it's the hardest course, but go ahead. I ran to Vons and got a chocolate milk. And to be totally honest, I felt great the rest of the day. Besides my muscles <laughs> being <laughs> sore from the uphill and downhill. I mean, just it really, really helped. And I had it in that quote unquote magic window of a half an hour or 20 minutes. I just went straight to the store, bought my chocolate milk, had my chocolate milk, and then ate some real food. I had a hamburger and then 
and had the celebratory beer. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you mentioned the magic window because I am a huge, huge believer in that. And do you do that for just races or do you try to kind of refuel in that time period during long runs too? So it's a really, really good question. I think a lot of people are confused on this because a lot of people think like after a hard workout that they, you want your protein shake. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people, oh yeah, well, I have my protein shake. Really what you want is you want kind of carbohydrate shake. <laughs> and because if you go look at every recovery drink out there, they're either a two to one ratio, three to one or four to one carbohydrates to protein. And so I see these people just dumping, you know, they're taking 25, 30, 40 grams of, of protein, you know, and they're flipping the ratio of carbohydrates, having a protein with some carbohydrates. No, your body, what do proteins do? Proteins help repair and build muscle, right? In that magic, that magic window is carbohydrate reuptake. And it's not protein reuptake as much. It's mostly carbohydrate, carbohydrate um, reuptake. So that's where you want to have your carbohydrates. You know, what would be really great is like, um, you know, it depends on how geeky you want to get with your food, but you could have an apple with some rice, you know, and maybe some nut butter, something like that, if you wanted to go real food. But then you, there's all sorts of recovery drinks out there that you can have. It's more sugar. I just try to go, okay, what can I do with a little less sugar that's not natural? I'm, look, I'm just looking for more real foods. If you, if another geeky thing you could do is you could have sweet potato, you know, a, a sweet potato that you could throw in a microwave and, and eat afterwards, something like that. You know, that way you're going natural and those starches are really good after your workout. So, um, but some, you know, a lot of us don't have the luxury of that kind of time or that kind of meal prep. So uh, I think just going out, Hammer makes a good recover rights, a pretty good, you know, recovery drink and there's more out there. So real hard races and stuff like that. I still use chocolate milk as my go-to, but for the daily stuff, I think I eat enough. And the latest research that I was reading shows as much as the magic window is great, your body, once you deplete the glycogen stores, it wants to get them back in the body. So it goes out and fills them up, even if it takes an hour and a half. But the mistake I think people make is that protein mistake. They're like, oh, I got to get protein in. No, protein is like, you know, two hours later. Yeah. So are you looking for a certain um, carbs to protein ratio at all with that immediate refuel or snack or whatever you're having? Yeah, I try to go like three to, I got try to go three to one on the ratio, three to one carbs to, you know, one part protein. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So, that's so, what I've always heard. Anyone, two, two to one, three to one, just know that the carbs are more important. I mean, you could have buttered toast, <laughs> toast with jelly, you know, I mean, these are all things that you could have afterwards that, um, you know, that are carbs, you know, people like freak out on the carbs, but that's what your body needs. That's what it's going to use. Now that's it. That it's got to be a really, it's got to be a hard workout. If you're just having a moderate intensity workout, you don't need the car. You don't need that recovery. Your body will be fine. In fact, hopefully when I was talking about it being metabolically flexible, hopefully if you're having a moderate or, you know, easier workout, you're burning way more fat. And so you don't need the carbs, you know, on an hour workout, you go out and do a nice easy run. You don't have to worry about it. What constitutes kind of like, is it a time period or a distance or an effort level that would make it count as a hard workout versus just kind of a moderate? C, all of the above. So it's, it's time. Time is a huge thing. And then it's, and time and distance are the same thing. And then intensity level is the next thing, the intensity level. So, um, you know, I know 
just because I know you well and I know me and we run around the same speed. So if you and I went and did an eight mile run at eight minute miles, then it's, that's going to be a whole different, you know, run than if we go out and run tens together. Right. For sure. How do you measure that? You measure it. I measure it through heart rate. I mean, when I want to be a geek, I throw, you know, I always run with my Garmin pretty much, but I'm, I'll throw a heart rate monitor. And I know that if I can keep my heart rate under 130 beats per minute, you know, for that race, I'm burning a, a decent amount of fat. So I'm not that worried. Once I get above that, you know, I, now I know it's getting more intense, but you can also just go by perceived exertion. I mean, if you're at the end of that workout, you're like, damn, that was a hard workout. Then it was a hard workout. Boom. It, it keeps going back to know yourself, know yeah, that's, yourself. That's the whole thing. And then, you know, and uh, this would be a great show. Is just talk about how do you PR, you know, you know yourself. And so I know myself and I sometimes have a weak constitution, like, Oh, I'm done. I can't do this. We call them automatic negative thoughts or ants. And next thing I know, I'm like talking myself out of pushing. And, you know, so how do you push yourself when you want to do that, you know, go to that next level? Yes. We need to talk about that for sure. Along with chi running. So are you going to be out at LA on Sunday? Um, I don't know yet. Are you, are you going to go to the expo? Yeah, I'll be at the expo. I know I'm doing, I train people with Parkinson's, so I'll be up for the big 5K on Saturday. And then I will be at the start line on Sunday. I'm not going to run. I We set up an aid station at mile 18. So then after the start, I'll either ride my bike or drive down to 18, help some people at 18. And I might pace somebody in the last eight miles so that we're still seeing how that all works out. Perfect. That is exciting. I know. Yeah. I always look forward to seeing the soul runners tent at mile 18 and Leanne. Yeah. So if any of your listeners hear this before Sunday, you know, stop by, say, say coach Steve said, uh, you know, take care of me and our crew will take good care of you. Thank you so much, Steve. If you want information on joining the soul runners, you can get that in the show notes. I will put a link to it for the record. It is soul runners. S-O-L-E, like the soul of your running shoe, not soul as in do gingers have souls? Because as a redhead, I would like to think that we do and that I'm not completely getting off topic. Good luck to anyone running the Alley Marathon this weekend. If you are running it around mile 18, you can keep an eye out for the Soul Runners booth. They usually set up an aid station where they have um water and different drinks and snacks. So if you need anything, you can stop by, tell them, run it, repeat, sent you. And you can get the download that will have printable information from the show, any of the tips that we shared today that you want to note at runeatrepeat.com. If you have any questions for an upcoming episode, email me at runeatrepeat at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram, whatever's easier, you know, phone in hand. And if you have not hit the wall yet, have you, if you still have something left in your podcast listening energy levels, please rate and review the show, ideally 500,000 million stars, and just that this is the best podcast of your life, because I would super appreciate it. Maybe that will give me a soul, get me into heaven. That'll be my ticket. Anyways, thank you so much for listening this long and have a great run. 
Thank you for listening to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. For more information, check out runeatrepeat.com.